Hello, everyone, and welcome to the year that was dot, dot, dot. And we are discussing 1997. And if the new listeners, obviously you're new listeners, if you don't know what we're doing, we are going chronologically through a year of professional wrestling. And the year that I selected to start the show is 1997. And we are going to be discussing WrestleMania 13 here in a minute. Um, and discussing that with me is my brother, Nate. Hello! And my brother from another mother, Archie Mitchell. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. And that is exactly how I should have started this show. I should have just said, <laughs> hey, yo. Um on a somber note, we are starting this show off of the heels of the passing of a guy that I, I, I wanted to post this on the Facebook pages that we have, but I didn't. It was that we're unfortunately um, starting this show on the heels of the passing of Scott Hall. And all of us are around the same age. Nate's a little older than me. Archie's a couple years older than me. But Scott Hall is a wrestler that was an integral part of the entire era of my wrestling fandom. Early wrestling Like... Like, I loved wrestling since I was a little five-year-old kid, but I really started getting into wrestling in, like, 93, 94. You know what I mean? Like, when I hit, like, 10. Right. And, 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 and this might, you guys might tell me I'm off when I say this, but I think if you're a hardcore wrestling fan, like, 10 years old is when you figure out what the fuck is going on. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, it's, I agree it's with that. not reasonable. It's, it's... You, you start understanding what it is. And that would, for me would be like 92, 93. And Hall was part of all of that. So this is the first passing of a guy that it's like, I saw his entire career in my mind. You know what I mean, like I saw Scott Hall from the beginning of his career to the end of his career, if that makes sense. Yep. yep. And, like like Roddy Piper. When Roddy Piper died, I was like, God damn. I, 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 I was super sad when Roddy Piper died, you know? And I did see his career, but it was after the fact. Like, his enti- like I saw his entire career, but after the fact. Like, I went back and watched shit from, like, Portland and, and, and all that shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I can I can remember watching Scott Hall during his entire fucking career. If that makes sense. Yep. And he's the yep. first guy that I know of that didn't die young, like an Eddie Guerrero or something like that. Like like this one hit me. I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, yep. I can honestly say that. He was one of the most recognizable wrestlers in in the world of professional wrestling. I mean, if you watched him in the AWA and you knew him as 
you know, Coyote, and then he made it to WCW, and he was the, the, the Diamond Stud. Right when those Razor Ramon vignettes started in WWE, and you were a kid, you were like, hey, that's the Diamond Stud. Hey, he was just in WCW. He was with Diamond Dallas Page. And then he talked for the first time. And I don't know, look, as a kid, I grew up, my dad watching the movie Scarface. So when he came out doing those mannerisms, I was like, hey, he's like Scarface. Oh, my God. Yeah. It got me into it more. It was, it was cool. He was bad. He was everything we weren't supposed to be seeing. And then he got in the ring and just started playing a beating on people. It was like, damn, this guy's for real. And I'll say this. We're going to, just so everybody knows, we are going to do a special edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast this week where we are going to discuss Scott's career from beginning to end. And, of course, obviously talk about certain matches and 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 things in the way that we, as fans, um, enjoyed his work and enjoyed his, it just, I mean, it, there's nobody on this panel that's not a Scott Hall fan. The one thing I will say, and I will elaborate more on it on We Can't Wrestle this week, though, and you guys will know what I mean, they have discussions about who is the best wrestler of all time, who is the best heel of all time, who is the best face of all time, who is the best technical wrestler of all time. Scott Hall is the coolest wrestler of all time. Without a doubt. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's just fucking cool, man. And he does a pretty good job (laughs) of checking a lot of those other boxes you mentioned, too. He's very technical. He told a great story in that ring. And he had all the charisma in the world. And it's not even like, like Nate was like, oh, he's the coolest wrestler of all time. Like, I think he's, he might be, the coolest dude in the history of wrestling. Yeah. Not just not a wrestler, as, mm-hmm. like, like not even just a professional wrestler, just the dude in the business. And I know he had his pitfalls and shit like that, but I think he's the, the coolest dude. He might be the slickest, coolest fucking dude <laughs> ever existed in the history of professional wrestling. That's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Like Aaron, um, you, you mentioned his pitfalls. In my opinion, and maybe I'm going to sound stupid. What am I seeing him go through? What he went through, and seeing him bounce back the way that he did made him even cooler. What he yeah. went through with DDP and cleaning himself up and getting back to uh, being a, a normal, you know, as normal as he could be, and then to find out that it was a hip surgery that took him out. It wasn't even the drug or the alcohol abuse. It was just like, damn. Mm-hmm. You know, that made it sting more, even more, even more so. But like, I have like, and and then we'll get into um, the show, but I have like little Scott Hall, like Nate talks about with Kike and Chad and I'll, Nate and Chad and I'll joke around about it. Like we'll have like cornetisms, you know, Mm -hmm. like hat on a hat and, and Mm -hmm. I'll look at people and say, you're, you're fucking a dog. I'm just holding its head. You know, like with Cornette, like I have holisms that I use every day in my life and nobody knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, like, so like I've had a guy at work get all butthurt about some shit and not want to do what he wanted to do. And it, and, and I've muttered under my breath, like, what are we too close to Portland? And nobody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but it's like, that's a Scott Hallism. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, one of my, and and I'll edit this. One of my favorite fucking things that 
I've ever heard anybody say about Scott Hall, and I've mentioned it to Nate before, even before his passing, was that like Sean and Nash would be in the like would be in the car with him talking about the business and all that shit. And Hall never thought he was the smartest guy in the car, but they always thought he was they always knew he, he was the smartest guy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And right. like because Nash could do a leapfrog because Nash was a basketball player before he got into wrestling. So he was an athletic dude, which a lot of people don't give him credit for, but he could do a leapfrog. And this is like one of my favorite Scott Hall stories is um, Nash did it and all like the WWF executives and agents and everything were like, Oh, that was super impressive. Oh man, that was great. Kevin's six fucking 11 and he do a leapfrog. Oh, that's great. And Hall was like, where the fuck are you doing a leapfrog? <laughs> yeah. You're six you're seven, foot, right. <laughs> seven fucking foot tall. Why are you doing a leapfrog? If a guy runs it, you just stand there. <laughs> you're bump, they're going to bump right off of you. And then he's just, just like, oh, I'm dumb. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and Sean and Nash were like, that's the fucking smartest thing anybody told us. And Nash was like, that was when I realized it's like I'm working. Like, like Nash was like, that's when I realized I'm working too hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not working. Uh, uh, like, I'm not working smart. I'm working dumb. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and that's the last thing I'll say about Scott, but I just, I wanted to put on my show the admiration and love and respect that I have for the Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, whatever you want to call him, character. That fucking dude was fucking great. Absolutely. I don't know him, never met him, but I'm going to miss him. So this show is dedicated to Scott Hall. And as well, it should be. All of our shows this week are dedicated to Scott Hall. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. So, all right. With that being said, um, we are going into um, March third, or not March third? I did that the other week. We're going into um, March twenty third, nineteen ninety seven. We're coming out of Monday Night Raw and Nitro and all that shit going into it. This is WrestleMania 13 from the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, Illinois. And I'm going to ask you guys, and if you don't want to put a ranking on it, how would you rate WrestleMania 13 before we talk about it? I want to know what you guys think. Is this in either one of you guys' top 10 WrestleManias ever? WrestleMania 13 is in my top five. I'd say it's in my top 10. I wouldn't call it top five, though. All right. This is in my top, not to piggyback off of Nate, but this is in my top five. I think this WrestleMania is fucking fantastic. I've been looking forward to talking about it. And here we go. It's a cool WrestleMania 13 opener. Um, and it's um, a cool 
video showing like Sid and the Undertaker and Brett and Austin and the Nation of Domination and Ahmed and LOD and the voiceovers like a night WrestleMania is a night to rejoice, but none of these men are smiling. They're all <laughs> pissed off and ready to get in there. And it's the first WrestleMania that I know of. And Nate, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but this is the first WrestleMania that I know of that has no um, America the Beautiful at the beginning of it. Yes, it is. Um... I don't know why, but they just didn't do it. Wait, did they have America the Beautiful at WrestleMania 12? I'm trying to remember. Was it Salt and Pepper? No, Salt and Pepper saying what a man about. Uh, yeah, 11. <laughs> was, that was 11. WrestleMania 11 had um, WrestleMania 11 had um, the Special Olympics girls sing. Yeah. I don't think no. I don't think I think it was WrestleMania 12. I don't think anybody sang the the anthem at 12. I mean, it doesn't matter, but I'm just saying. I think okay. it. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll give you that. I just i I put that in my notes. It's a stupid note, but I was just like, I don't remember if that was the first time or not. And it was always funny because like. It was never the national anthem. Well, it was when uh, I think Mean Gene sung it. But that's still, that's like such a Vince thing. We're not going to do the national anthem, pal. I don't like the national anthem. America the beautiful. Yeah. Fuck the national it's not anthem. A, it's not a hospital. America. It's a medical facility. Yes. America the beautiful. <laughs> Fuck the national anthem. America the beautiful. But anyway, um, the opening match of WrestleMania 13 is a four-way tag with the Godwins with Hillbilly Jim versus the Headbangers, the Blackjacks, and Furnace and LaFon. It's a four-way match, and the winners of this four-way elimination tag team match are going to get a shot on Raw against whoever wins between Bulldog and Owen versus Vader and Mankind. So basically, it's a number one contendership match. The winners of this match get a tag team title shot tomorrow night on Raw. Um, I like all of these teams. I don't. I don't see anything wrong with any of them. Do you guys? Uh, I no. don't either. I'll chime in here. This is why. This was not one of my most favorite WrestleManias, and it's only in my top ten. The, the The World Tag Team Title match was kind of thrown together to put Vader and Mankind on WrestleMania and gave them a title shot. Meanwhile, you got four teams here who could have equal, equally have just gotten a shot at the titles and gone on from there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So a lot of matches, because of what Sean did, because of what Brett was doing behind the scenes, had to be reshuffled and restructured thus making WrestleMania look different than it had to, or it would have. So, yeah. But I think this is a great opener. It was a good four-way tag team match, in, in all honesty. So it starts like the Godwins come out, and the Headbangers come out, um, LaFon and Furnace come out, and they're putting over the new Blackjacks and showing you like a video of the old Blackjacks. So going in, you're assuming that the Blackjacks are going to win this thing, but they don't. Um, Because they even give um, uh, 
Black Shack Bradshaw and Black Jack win him a promo, and and Black Jack um, Bradshaw carries it, and he's like, "Little boys, get up! Big boys, shut up! Whatever the fuck he says." And they're saying the Black Jacks are gonna ride again. They run out there, they storm the ring, and it's a big brawl right at the beginning. Settles down to a normal dance. Um, the Blackjacks and Furnace and Lafon wind up brawling outside of the ring, and the Blackjacks are disqualified because Bradshaw shoves the referee, and then Furnace and Lafon aren't disqualified, they're counted out. So, um, they're immediately those two teams are taken out and then it turns into a just basic tag team match with the headbangers and the Godwins and the headbangers end up winning when Mosh hits the bombs away on um, Phineas for the one, two, three. So the headbangers are now the number one contenders for the tag team championships. And even as a kid, I was like, man, I did not and I'm not even mad at it because I like the tag team, but I was like, man, I did not expect the headbangers to win that fucking match. I was about to say that, too. I remember yeah. at the time thinking that the, the Blackjacks were going to win because they were giving them such a push going into WrestleMania. And hi- the them up. At least, at least Furnace and LaFon, if it wasn't going to be the Blackjack. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we've already seen Furnace and LaFon wrestle the Bulldog and Owen a bajillion times, uh, so maybe not them. <laughs> right, but we didn't know who was going to win the tag titles tonight. Right, at the right. Show. So yeah, it could have been yeah. them Absolutely. taking them off of Mankind Invader after one day. Mm-hmm. You know. But the four-way match itself, it wasn't bad. I thought it was a good opener. And I don't have any really negative things to say about it. No, it was a decent four-way, decent opener for WrestleMania. Yeah. And- yeah. Go ahead. No. I was just say it was a decent opener for WrestleMania, and you're getting into at this time you're heading into that era of multiple man, multiple team matches, which I'm not always a big fan of, but it is what it is. This is '97; the business is changing, so you're opening up WrestleMania with a multiple man match or a multiple team mean, match, I guess you'd say. You mean gang warfare, Nate? Yeah. You mean when everybody honestly- had their own faction? Which, honestly, Nate, isn't, like, a complete um, deviation from what they've done in the past. I mean, WrestleMania four. what did that open with? A battle royal. A battle royal. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it, it's not unheard of <clears throat> match to just get guys on the show. Mm-hmm. And all these guys deserve to be on the show, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It was just a. Can I ask a dumb question, though? Probably. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can. By mid year, we have the DOA, Los Bariquas, NOD. um, Who was the other group? Those three. uh, Kurgan and the Truth Commission. Uh, We've got the Hard Foundation. DX is formally starting to get together, but not completely enough yet. You know, there's. Seven or eight different factions. But yet when we get to Survivor Series, there's only two multi-man matches. What the yeah. fuck were they thinking then? 
Why did you put all these factions together if we weren't going to use them on the night that it's needed? Your your year didn't build well, or it didn't pay off well anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, hey, we need all these factions. Yeah, and we'll have them have a war at Survivor Series. Yeah, that's a good payoff. Come Survivor Series. Well, we're going to do Brett versus Sean. We know that. Okay, cool. What else are we doing? Ah, fuck if I know. <laughs> well, you're kind of burying <laughs> on the the Vince the you're kind of burying the Vince Rousseau lead at the beginning of the year here because we're only in March. He's still got a bro. lot of fucking bro. bro. He's still got a lot of road. To Put it on here. a pole. Add some New York <laughs> rules, and we're good. Yes. So Sorry, the headband. That's okay. So now the honky tonk man or. The headbangers are now the number one contenders. And um, the next thing out of the shoot after the headbangers leave is the Honky Tonk Man. So the Honky Tonk Man shows up at WrestleMania 13. And he is still looking for his next big um, protege that is going to become the new greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And he's out here to scout this match that's coming up because it is for the Intercontinental Championship. It is the Sultan versus Rocky Maivia. And he says, he says, he says, Rocky Maivia is in the back. Uh, With upset upset stomach. stomach. (laughs) Yes. Um, So it's the Sultan versus Rocky Maivia. In my notes, I put it's pre-rock versus Samoan Bane. <laughs> That's good. That works. <laughs> that is with the Sultan. It, it, it took me a long time to try to figure out what the Sultan looked like. I'm like, he looks like Samoan Bane. I will be the intercontinental champion. <laughs> make make a change, we will. No, that was your this other is- gimmick. This is my new my new faction, the League of Shadows. It's <laughs> 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 fucking stupid. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it was stupid when I wrote. By the way, by the way, you know I do this sometimes. I go, I had to go back and check. Uh, there was no America the Beautiful at WrestleMania 12. I so. checked as well. That's why I didn't chime in because there was no America the Beautiful <laughs> here or 12. Here at 12, there was no Omega the Beautiful. So, they didn't have any fucking Top of the Pops people for no. <laughs> those two years. Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles were busy. We were alone. One had diabetes and the other one didn't have a driver. <laughs> I heard Ray Charles had a driver, but it was John Cena. <laughs> Ray Charles couldn't Come on. see him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get that quicker. <laughs> back to this. Back to this intercontinental title match. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 pre rock versus Samoan Bane. So it's Sultan versus uh, Rocky Maivia, and nothing against either one of these people because. Um, Basically, it's The Rock versus Rakishi, if you guys don't know. If you're too young to understand who these people are. Um, Rakishi is 
or was, I should say, fucking talented as fuck. I, anybody that tells me they don't think that Rakishi should be on the list of like top 10 big man wrestlers ever is a fucking idiot. I'm just, I, I don't want to call you yet. I think you get, Nate's going to be like, he was number 12 on mine. <laughs> no, was, no, was, I, was I absolutely agree. Wait, him, like, and Sa- him and Samu wait, both. Like, would, you, would you consider Rakishi a big man? Like yes, a big man yeah. wrestler? And mm-hmm. and he was fucking fantastic. Jumped off the top fantastic. of that cage and it was it looked killer. And he could work with fucking anybody. You That's know what good. I mean? And and oh, this and took and took a piece of shit comedy gimmick and turned it gold. Yeah. Dancing with too cool but, every night and actually made the crowd get into it. And this, like I, I told Nate the other day when we were recording the the show this was like a perfect selection for a guy to work with Rocky Maivea in his WrestleMania debut it's his family so he Mm -hmm. like okay this guy is big and intimidating looking and knows how to fucking work and he's going to be able to carry this guy that we think is a star but we're not sure exactly what he can do and we know he's not going to fucking bury him when he goes out there. Right. You know what I mean? So, when I say this, it's not knocking the match. They didn't really do anything that was, like, super special out there. Right. Like, it was basic. And I think it was probably Rakishi going, look, you're new. You don't know everything. Let's just go out there and keep it fucking basic. Mm -hmm. Because if we go out there and try to do something super crazy, it's going to fucking probably shit the bed. So let's keep it basic as fuck. So they just went out there and they basically had an 80s big man versus baby face, like big heel versus... um, smiley baby face match. And like I said, it wasn't nothing special. But it didn't shit the bed. And also, um, Bob Backlund and the Sheik being out there helped it too. Um, well, yeah, Matt, it, it allowed it, a, a lot of legendary, uh, it allowed them both to get the rub, rub from uh, Backlund and Sheik. Uh, they were taken care of because they knew neither one was going to hurt each other. Um, it, it made for an okay match. It was definitely not WrestleMania worthy. But it didn't. It should have been on a pay per view. So yeah, it was a good, it was a decent match. Um, Rocky Maivia ends up winning with a roll up, and he's still the Intercontinental Champion. And then the Sultan, Bob Backlund, and the Iron Sheik attack Pre Rock, which brings out Billy D. Williams. <laughs> I mean, this is Orlando Calrissian. Yes, Rocky Johnson. Who it looked at first, if you didn't know who it was, you thought it was Billy D. Williams. Lando comes out, um, and he <laughs> saves his son or attempts to save his son, and they get the upper hand on him. And the honky tonk man is getting into it, and now Sultan has uh Billy D in the um camel clutch, and honky tonk man is really getting into the beatdown and yells the words kick him in the head that's what he says <laughs> hey Sheik, kick him in the head and Vince McMahon's like oh come on come on like, so time, 
What's the energy just to kick Rocky Johnson right in the fucking head? An observation, an observation that I want to make really quick. And I thought about this the other day. I don't know what it doesn't matter. Obviously, anybody who listens to any of our shows knows that probably my peak, my peak wrestling fandom is from the year 1990 to the year 2001. Okay. That's my, and and I love to go back and watch the other stuff. Don't get me wrong. My peak fandom years are that 30 or, or 20 year period or whatever. Anyway. Something I think is amusing, and I, I, I was thinking about it the other day. So, in 1984, Hulkamania starts, WWF blows up, okay? 1993, Hulk Hogan and all his buddies leave. We've got a new generation, quote-unquote. I think it's hilarious that from 1984 to 1993, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. They didn't mention almost anybody that wrestled there between 1994 or before 1984. After Hogan and his buddies leave, they start mentioning Big Cat Ernie Ladd. They start mentioning Rocky Johnson. They start now all of a sudden these guys are back. You know what I mean? Like they they through the whole through the whole rock and wrestling yeah yeah, through the whole rock and wrestling era they kind of ignored the past (sighs) of the company. But then once Hogan and all them were gone, they're like, oh, WWF Hall of Fame, Rocky right Johnson. Or, yeah, right or, yeah, or, yeah. Antonio Rocca. <laughs> the old fucks. Uh, uh, these old fucks, their knees still work, so they're over there. <laughs> we do the old fucks living in campers and shit. Our old fucks are, are the big cat, Ernie Ladd. <laughs> they, they, they needed the old fucks that need a payoff. Hogan didn't need a payoff. He was making fucking. But like I said, I just, I just find it amusing that they they for that nine years they didn't acknowledge any of those people, and then once all those pe all them them eighties WWF guys were gone, they were like, well, we need to have legends, so let's start acknowledging people from the seventies and before nineteen eighty four. Anyway, yeah, and the only ones they had left were Jimmy Snuka and the Honky Tonk Man and Don Morocco Everybody, and Don Morocco. Everybody else bounced. They're just like, oh. <laughs> Take her money, but it was fucking Morocco, yeah. Snooka, and the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> anyway, um, like I said, um, Rocky Johnson comes out and tries to save Rocky Maivea, which is his kid, but he ends up in a camel clutch, and then Rocky ends up regrouping, regrouping, and saving his dad, and they double team the Iron Sheik, and the Iron Sheik gets to take a bump at WrestleMania 13. It was really slow how he did it, but he still got it. It was a very careful bump. And then the rock and Rocky and Rocky Johnson get to have the, the um, father son celebration in the ring. And that's how that ended. Rocky Johnson's wearing a leather jacket. Well, not a leather, not a leather jacket, folks. Like a literal, like it looks like a suit jacket, but it's leather. <laughs> not at this time, though. When him and uh, when him and Rock are celebrating, uh, uh, Johnson has has no um, upper clothes on. He's just wearing his his old man okay. pants. You know what I'm talking about <laughs> with the old man pants? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like like where there's not like a 
there's not like a a button. It's like <laughs> the, the last thing I'm talking about. Yep. It's got like the stretchy band on it too. So if you like, if you get a little fat, you can still stretch that shit around. It's like <laughs> it's like your belt, your your pants have a have a built-in belt, an adjustable belt. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You gotta clasp yeah. it. It doesn't button. It clasps. Anyway, so they're happy and they leave together. And now Todd Pettengill is going to interview um, Ken Shamrock. And I put Todd Pettengill interviews Kenny Soprano because <laughs> Ken Shamrock is um, an Archie. I'm not. I'm not trying to insult insult your people. Okay, you ready? Okay, go ahead. I'm not trying to insult your people. <laughs> I know where you're from. But Shamrock mm-hmm. has his hair slicked back, right? He's got a nose that looks like it's been broken 27 times. <laughs> and well, he's, wearing like, he's wearing like a full windbreaker suit. And he's just like, hey, here I am. I'm Ken Shamrock. You know what I mean? Like he looks like the guy that Tony Soprano sends to get his fucking money, or um, like you, know, you guys are you guys are wanting to well, shut down the trash business. No, you send Kenny, you send Kenny Soprano there. That's yeah, what he looked like. To me. He send looked like a Kenny. fuck. He looked like a goomba in this fucking. Promo like he he is wearing the Adidas windbreaker suit, and he's just like I'm Kenny Soprano. That's what he looked like so, to me. How dare you make fun of the New Jersey tuxedo? <laughs> Todd Todd Pettengill's like um, Ken Shamrock tonight. You referee Brett the Hitman Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Ken Shamrock's like, yeah, I'm coming here for my career in uh, you know waste management. Yeah. Because I managed wasting people in the <laughs> UFC. He's just, he looked like a fucking enforcer. And when I say this, I'm saying it is, I'm not trying to be derogative towards it. I'm saying like, he looked fucking scary. Like this is the dude that would come and fuck you up if something happened or you needed something to happen. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, the other amazing thing about Shamrock, and I'll talk about it next week, um, he's a guy that at the beginning of his career in the WWF, he was terrible. Like, this dude could not cut a promo. Like, when he was, like, when Pettengill was like, um, how are you going to referee the match tonight? And he's like, well, if I have to, I'm going to disqualify this guy. I'm here to make sure that this happens. And, and he's like all over the, and he's like trying to use words that he shouldn't be trying to use. And, and, and like, I know Nate isn't, and we talked about this earlier, like he's not a huge Shamrock fan. I like him. I'm a big Ken Shamrock fan. I like yeah. that fucking character. But I like Severn better. The, the really, yeah, I like Severn better. 
you, you just think he was more believable as like a badass? Yes, or, uh, yes he would come to the ring it. with four belts around his waist. He'd get in the ring, he'd beat the crap out of his opponent, he'd walk back up to the rampway. Didn't say a word. And he had Jim Cornette as a candidate for a little while. Ken Shamrock, you just said it. He could, you just said it. He was wearing a track suit. He barely stumbled on his words. You know, he might as well have been saying, yeah, I came here from New Jersey to hang, take care of that thing. What thing is that? You know, the, the, the Brett, Brett Sean thing. You know, the Brett Austin thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, like I was saying, like, Shamrock, he stumbles over his words in this promo. He gets a lot better later when they let him be fucking crazy. And it's almost like, um, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds because we'll talk about it later, but I almost think, and Nate, you can tell me if I'm wrong, I think Vince McMahon took the same um, thought process with Shamrock that he took with Sid. Like, the first couple times you heard this guy talk, he was like, Jesus Christ, that's a fucking train wreck. But then he was like, well, let's just have him snap. And then yeah. when he snaps and says some shit, you're like, oh, yeah, he's mm-hmm. fucking, he snapped. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, and at this so- time, a couple of points I'll make. I'm not trying to go long-winded here. But um, firstly, at this time, I will say that had the shit not gone down with Brett later in the year and – had had had, what do I say? Had Russo not convinced Vince that the Attitude Era type thing was the the way to go, I think that the plan was to go in a more of a direction with Cam with a guy like Ken Shamrock on the top. He was going to be the top guy. Yep. And See, I've always thought, I've always thought this way, and it's not with the Attitude Era. I always thought that if. Um, how do I say it? If Steve had an apocalypse, <laughs> and I know, and I know Steve's kind of like the catalyst for the attitude era or whatever. So we're kind of on the same level or the same wavelength. I don't, I think that they weren't anticipating Stone Cold to pop off. So if Steve would have popped off and all the people would have got behind him, it would have been Ken Shamrock. Yeah. And also, I've always said, and I've said this a few times before in previous shows. I don't know what I don't know exactly what happened with Ken as far as him kind of falling out in '99, but ultimately, what happened, I think, with Kurt Angle was originally what was supposed to happen with Ken Shamrock. You know what I mean? I agree with that to a certain that, extent. Yeah, that legit badass athlete snapping people's ankles and stuff. I don't know, just. I, I, you, you can draw a direct correlation between Ken Shamrock and Kurt Angle, I think. Oh, yeah. Everything I've not getting too into it, but everything I read with Ken, it was he didn't want to do a lot of that um, skeevy shit that Russo was trying to do. Like, oh, you're going you're gonna to fuck your sister. He's like, I'm not yeah. doing that. Yeah, he said, he, 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 he said that. He said, I got a family at home. I got a wife and kids, and you know my we're respectable. Kids fucking, my kids are out in the playground. Shit, I'm trying to run this fucking dojo, and you want me to say I'm fucking my sister? Yeah, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
So, but also, oh, wait, say, oh, wait, 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 Ken, you'll you'll become a maniac and just snap and kill people with a chair. Yes, you'll beat up anybody. You'll go to Owen Hart's house and beat up beat him up in front of his father. Yes, will you fuck your sister? No, I got to draw a line no, somewhere. Got to draw a line somewhere. I'm learning. Yeah, Sarah now I so, see why Sid goes and plays softball. <laughs> And I can also say I appreciate and respect Ken Shamrock for being like, no, I'm not doing that. Of course. Fuck that. So anyway. anyway. <laughs> so uh, Kenny Soprano, Soprano cuts this promo, and then we go to Doc Hendricks, and he's interviewing um, Triple H in China because um, we're rolling into Triple H with – China versus Gold Dust with Marlena. And this is Nate's favorite feud of 1997. <laughs> Correct? It went so long. Go, go away heat with me with this feud. I love the two performers, but I can't stand them together. I don't know why, it folks, but I just it can't. Wouldn't end. It wouldn't end. It doesn't even end after this. Like right. WrestleMania is usually a blow-off. But I'm just giving you guys a fucking spoiler alert to next week. It goes into next week and then the week after that. So we get it was like this was not a whole punishment. Uh, this this was Triple H's punishment for the curtain goal. We're gonna make you we're gonna make you wrestle gold dust for an entire year and a half. <laughs> but you said you were adding adding China. Oh, we will. And you're still going to be wrestling Goldust for the entire year. Poor Goldust sitting there. I'm just going to leave and go to TNA when it opens. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but you will wrestle Triple H while you're here. <laughs> so we're rolling into Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Goldust. Uh, China Marlena at ringside. Uh, I wrote this down because I thought it was funny. Uh, Jerry Lawler says, China looks like... Um, <laughs> Ross and Vince were talking about how um, uh, muscular and defined that China was. And Lawler says, do you know why China looks like that? And they're like, why? And he's like, China looks like that because she got breastfed by her father. Oh, God. <laughs> God, that's so bad. And neither one of them fucking say they don't even nothing. Give nothing. <laughs> no, <laughs> give him nothing. I thought it's like this is the funniest goddamn thing that said during the entire WrestleMania 13. China <laughs> looks like that because she was breastfed by her father. <laughs> I fucking thought that was, that shit was funny, and I don't think he wrote that down. Like that wasn't even like. Like, no, it came up fair in a moment. It came right off the top of Lawler's head. I'm like, yep. that was fucking Jerry at his best. Right there. <laughs> that was like, that was a like, that was a Bobby Heenan line. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. It was fucking oh. great. Um, so during this match, there's not a lot going on in it. It's and I know Nate said you don't you know like the feud or whatever, but they never had a bad match. No, it just no. So it's a good, solid match. Um, Marlena winds up 
on the apron because she's like yelling at the referee. Triple H ends up knocking her into China, who grabs her and then ragdolls her and it's just like flinging her around. And visually, it looks fucking awesome. Like visually, yes. it's great. And, and yes. it's like, like China is is fucking 5'10 and 220 pounds. And Marlena is like 4'10 and like 95 pounds. So China just swinging her around and doing all that shit to her like fucking fantastic. And I there was that China, there was I guarantee Marlena probably had no like like China didn't hurt or anything like that, you know. But just the 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 visual of China and Marlena is fantastic. That's what I was gonna say. There was no better way to introduce China to the world than having her ragdoll Marlena the way she did. It's it like you use the word visually. Visually, it's it's so impressive. It it goes so, to show that they knew how to book a bigger female back then. You could just you say you, you could just stop at book, Archie. They knew how to book back. Well, yeah, then. exactly. <laughs> but, but like you look at the way they book Nia Jax. And you look at the way they're booking Jade on AEW. And it's like, dude, why do we have to pretend like they're 120 pounds mm-hmm. and that they can wrestle when they're monsters? I mean, you mentioned Scott Hall telling Kevin Ash, just let them run into you and they'll bounce off of you. Why aren't we doing that still? Yep. You know, <laughs> Nia Jax was 6'2 and 300 pounds, and yet she was trying to wrestle like a cruiserweight while fighting Alexa Bliss. Meanwhile, China ragged on Marlena and became an instant uh, legend overnight. Yes. You know? Like, and and this will be the only thing I say about China. I think, honestly, if she would have never wrestled, I think she would have had a bigger um, thumbprint in wrestling, if that makes sense. Well... I think what ruined her thumbprint in wrestling was no through no fault of her own. I think that that she drew the short end of the stick when Hunter and Steph got together, and yeah. that 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 really, I don't know. I I think from from her perspective, probably even I don't want to be in this this environment anymore. I don't I don't want to watch these two well, be together every day well, of their life and. Excuse me. I don't want to. I don't want. I didn't mean to drag it in the weeds, but no, 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 no. You're fine. I, I from what I heard, because I watched the her dark side of the ring, where it was a documentary of the last few weeks of her life, and she, she <laughs> says that when she went in to renegotiate her contract, having done everything she did already, wrestling Eddie, wrestling Jericho, Intercontinental Champion, Women's Champion at WrestleMania, and everything her and Hunter and DX did. She expected her her contract to be higher than what it was when she first came in. Because imagine when she first came in, how much could her contract really have been, you know, coming in mm-hmm. as a bodyguard? Right. And when they showed her her contract, it was like a bump up, like, up of like five grand. And she's like, no, this, this can't be right. I should be being paid like one of the guys because I'm on the road just as much as they are wrestling, just as much as they are. And I wrestle both the men and the women. So I should be getting compensated. And they told her, nope, this is what we have for you. Take it or leave it. And that's, so you want me to be in an ugly place where my boyfriend left me for the boss's daughter and give me the shit under the stick money-wise? Fuck you. Yeah. 
you know. Tough situation for her to be in. Definitely. I um <laughs> the next thing we see is Shawn Michaels trying to figure out cyberspace. Like he's back in the, the fucking computer lounge, like just chicken pecking, like, yeah. Chicken pecking. And Vince is laughing like ha ha ha. And like Nay and I talked about fucking Vince and HBK in ninety seven is fucking annoying. It's fucking annoying So then we roll into the next match Fifth match on the card It's Vader and Mankind Versus Owen Hart and the British Bulldog For the WWF Tag Team Championships Vader and Mankind come out And then Owen and Bulldog Come out And as they're coming out JR is trying to interview them In Um the the Iowa and JR is questioning Owen and Bulldog and JR is basically trying to tell Bulldog um, how do you feel about the fact that Owen thinks that he's smarter than you and then Owen kind of pushes JR and says um, stop trying to stir the pot you're just a pot stirrer and tells him to sit his he doesn't say it, but he's like, sit your fat ass down and stop trying to, trying to like smarten up my big fucking dumb friend over here. <laughs> like Owen and Bulldog is a tag. That's my favorite. That's my second favorite tag team of all time. I'm going to put that out there. Or my second favorite tag team of all time. My only favorite tag team over them is Brett and Nightheart. But Owen and Bulldog. Second favorite tag team ever. Like the and they're the funniest goddamn team in the history of professional. Like funniest goddamn team. Second favorite working together, just being a tag team team ever. They are definitely in my top five tag teams of all time. I don't know that they're second because I think we have the same first Heart Foundation, um, and then. Probably for me, followed up by the Midnight Express and Demolition, and then I'd say Owen and Davey. Oh, Owen and Davey are fantastic, and Owen is. Um, and I know you and I are talking, and I don't want to step over anything Archie wants to say, but um, I think Owen is my. I thought about this a lot after. Um, watching this and trying to formulate how I want to say this. Owen Hart is my second favorite tag team wrestler of all time. It goes Bobby Eaton, Owen Hart, Arn Anderson. Those are the three best goddamn that tag killer, teams. That is a killer top three of tag team wrestlers. That is awesome. I have to say. And in my opinion, in my opinion, tag team wrestling is harder than fucking single wrestling. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a wrestler, so I don't know. But I think it would be harder to be a goddamn tag team wrestler. It, it is because you have to find it. You have a. You have to find a delicate balance of getting over yourself, but not only yourself, your partner. 
but not only your partner, not just one op- opponent. Two other fucking guys. Yes. And, and to me, those are the, those are the three best fucking tag team wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. In my opinion. Well, see, here's where I'm going to back you up on that. One hundred percent. All three could have worked with anybody in a tag team and made it work. Bobby Eaton showed that with Steve Kearns, Stan Lane, Arn Anderson, countless others. Owen Hart, Bulldog, Brett, Yoko. I mean, the fact that he made Yoko still look like a million bucks when Yoko was much slower and bigger at the time. You know, Jared? And Arn Anderson, Jarrett, right. His, his so research with Jarrett. Owen and Jarrett is a fucking No, they were, they were a badass tag team. And then Arn Anderson, damn, you could have made that guy team with a broom sitting in the corner, and Arn Anderson still would have made it look like a great tag team match. And so. and Owen, um, Owen, like it wasn't just a, it wasn't like a, a traditional tag team, but Owen killed it when he was like in the fucking nation, like you know what I mean, like when he was like there'd be Rawls where he'd fucking team with D'Lo or fucking Kama or yeah. like that fucking dude killed it. And Bobby Eaton, Bobby Eaton did it with um, Dennis Condry, Stan Lane, uh, fucking William Regal, all them fucking people, and Arn, everybody, you know what I mean? But um, I don't want to get lost in the weeds of talking about Owen as a tag team wrestler. Let's just talk about this tag team match. Um, It's not, the match itself isn't the greatest match in the world, but there's no way you're not going to get a good fucking match out of Vader, Mankind, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog. And we just put over Owen, and now I want to put it over Davey, because Davey's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, too. That dude was a genetic fucking freak. <laughs> like, he's one of those... Like I said, I'm I'm not a professional wrestler, so if any wrestler that listens to this show wants to tell me I'm wrong, I have seen Davey Boy Smith do shit in wrestling matches that I don't think anybody else could do. Davey Boy Smith, Davey Boy, Davey Boy Smith. He's the only wrestler I've ever seen. He's no, he's the only wrestler I've ever seen that could do a kip up without using his fucking arms. Right. It with his fucking neck. Yeah, his, and his legs. Yeah. <laughs> fucking freak. He vertically suplexes Vader in this match. Like, he picks him up and holds him. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't go, oh, here he is. And he fucking he- holds him. For those that are listening to the show that maybe weren't alive during this time or weren't old enough to be fans or watch the work during this time. It's pre- wrestling is presented completely differently nowadays. Right. So it was, it wasn't accentuated the, fr- like Aaron's saying the physical freak that Davey was, but you could put Davey boy Smith in the category of John Cena and Brock Lesnar, as far right. as just the absolute sheer immense strength. Right. And, ability. and he doesn't look like them. Right, and here's the thing about it too. He looked like him in like '92, but Mm -hmm. like when he was at this time in '97, and I'm not, and Archie, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. But 
but Davey didn't look like a bodybuilder in 97. You know what I mean? He looked like a fit dude. But he was stronger. I guarantee he was stronger than anybody else on that fucking roster. Oh, without a doubt. And, and see, like Nate said, this was to my point. Using his fucking hands. It was fucking insane. The, the great thing about Bulldog 2 was they didn't have him do those feats of strength like lifting Vader up or a slam to Yoko or whoever was bigger than him on a constant basis. Because they knew how to book. Right. <laughs> that should be the that should be the nickname of this show. Uh, the, the year that was, they knew how to book. Uh, you, you get like Jacina fighting the Great Khali, and every promo and vignette and every match that they had, they made it seem like he got him up for the FU for the first time. Lesnar getting up the Big Show for the the uh, F5, it was like he did it for the first time. But when Davey did it, it really was for the first time. And we didn't see it every week after. We saw it mm-hmm. every six months to every year. So it made it special. And that's what Davey was. He was special in that ring. And those are two guys that I will argue to the point, to my dying day, should have been a world heavyweight champion somewhere that they were. Either WCW WWF. Mm-hmm. Because they had world champion written all over them. So... I'm glad you guys agree with me that fucking Davey, and I know he's in the Hall of Fame and he should be, but I think that fucking dude is um, super underrated in what he could fucking do. And, 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 and off of talking about him being a genetic freak, about being able to do that, those um, feats of strength and all that shit, he could fucking work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Hercules fan. Okay, dude was jacked for the gills. He can do all that, that strength shit and everything. Fucking Hercules can't do a goddamn kip up without using his hands. You know what I mean? Couldn't throw a drop kick. Couldn't get all the <laughs> Fucking Davy could do fucking everything. And before I go any further, this is one of my favorite stories from Brett's book. They were in Calgary, and they were doing a softball, like, charity thing. Like, the hearts are going to play the fucking firemen or whatever, you know? And Davey had just came from England, and he was there, and they knew he was, like, this great athlete. So they're like, all right, we're going to bring Davey in. He's going to work. He's going to work the stampede, and he's going to be... This fantastic athlete. Let's and we know he can do everything. So let's bring him in this. Let's bring him into this charity softball competition. All right. He's not hitting shit. He can't hit for nothing because he's lost in his fucking mind. And Bruce was like, "Oh, like like Davey's like I can't hit nothing. I can't hit nothing. It's I'm fucked. I'm fucked." Yeah. <laughs> And Bruce is like, "Well, you're using the you're using a left-handed bat." He's like, "What?" He's like, "You're using a left-handed bat. Use the right-handed bat." <laughs> Gives him the same what? goddamn bat, and it was just in Davy's mind because he had no fucking idea what baseball was. 
And then he's like, well, you're handed. You're using the left-handed bat. Here's the right-handed bat. Gives it to him. And then Davey's like, all right, I got my right-handed bat now. So he's not scared anymore. And just, and Brett said, Davey just started cranking him out, man. Like, they threw the ball at him, fucking hit it, knocked it out of the goddamn park. Fucking knocked it out all the way. Got to run all the bases. And as he's running, he's like, Brett, it was the fucking bat the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I could just see Davey, like, going to, like, one of those baseball arcades where you hit in a batting range, in a batting cage, and he goes to the owner, like, do you have any right-handed bats? And the owner's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so anyway, this match is happening. Um, as it, it, it's not... It, I wanted to talk a little bit more about this shit, because there's not a lot to talk about in this match, because it's not that great. Um... The reason I don't think it's that great is because this is the one match on the card that had nothing going for it. Um, it was a kind of a slap together match. Um, they gave him like two weeks to try to make this match make sense. It was just kind of slammed on there. It was originally supposed, as far as I know, it was originally supposed to be Vader and Mankind in a singles match. Yes, and, and it was supposed to be Davy and Austin in a singles match. <laughs> right. So, uh, thankfully, this match happened because we got cooler shit out of it, but this match was just slammed together to get these guys a payoff, so good for them. Um, at the end of the match, um, Mankind grabs the urn, um, but gets dropped told dropped toe-holded into it and then vader picks it up and hits davy and they end up brawling on the floor um um then bulldog and vader wind up back in the ring bulldog picks up vader for the power slam i'm sorry vader i fucked that up sorry bulldog tried to pick up Mankind for the power slam, but Vader pulls him out, and then Mankind gets the mandible claw on Bulldog, and Owen tries to go save him, and then Owen's wrong with Vader, and basically they all wind up on the outside of the ring, and they all get counted out. It's a double count out, and that's the way the match ends. Kind of fucked it up there at the end. I apologize, but. That's how convoluted and right of a cluster this match was. It wasn't that great. <laughs> Even with the four people involved who were fantastic performers, this match sucked. Hey, um, some, day, some days you're the windshield, other days you're the bug. Yes. So then we get a recap of the Bret Hart um, Steve Austin feud, and I think this I'll try to cons- I'll try to keep it short, but I think this might probably be the longest thing that we discuss on the show because it's fucking fantastic. Like I'm going to tell you guys right now, out the shoot, this is one of the five best WrestleMania matches in the history of fucking ever. I will so, agree with that. So, and I will before we start talking about the match say this. This is my thought on this match, and I'm sorry. 
to anybody listening that like lived through fucking Bruno or lived through Buddy Rogers or whatever, <laughs> or you want to be pretentious or a historian. Damn, Nate's about to drop the heeliest promo ever. So I will say, let's say post-1980, all right? Because I always have to cut my shit off at like 1980 because I'm not, I'm not going back and watching shit from the 70s. I'm just not doing it. This is the second... You can you can say there may have been a mat- match here or there that was better, blah, blah, blah. This is the second most significant match in WWF history. The first is, is Hogan and Andre. There's no argument there. I won't argue that. The second is this one. And the third is uh, WrestleMania 30, Brock and Taker. Those are the three most significant matches in modern... WWF history. Change the business everywhere. This match changes everything. Yep. Everything. And then, that, that's kind of interesting because there's a couple questions I have that come out of this match. That's what I was saying. Like, I don't want to keep you guys super late. Well, we don't so, have to go. We don't have to get too deep into the match. Everybody's seen it a million times anyway, so we can have yeah. a discussion about the significance of it. So, okay, let me just break down the match real quick. Because, <laughs> like, when I say I broke down this match, I have, like, like 15 minutes mm-hmm. about this match. <laughs> Brett and Steve, they come out. Ken Shamrock's the special guest referee. Um, Chicago's digging Steve Austin when he comes out. Then they're digging Brett. Austin double legs Brett before the <laughs> bell. They brawl around the ring side into the crowd, back into the ring. Brett into the steps, end up back into the ring. Vince says if Brett Hart loses, what will be his excuse? Because Vince is mad at Brett because he shoved him <laughs> on his ass on Monday. Um, Brett Andy, atta- over Andy on- attacked Pat Patterson, that no good oh, yeah, son of a no good son of a bitch. Uh, Brett working over Austin's knee um, and gets him into the um, into the corner and hits him with the the Brett gets the um, figure four on the post, which is a Brett fucking original. I don't think of anybody else who did that. Not before Brett, since, no. or since. Um, and I wrote that down as being significant because the people are still into Brett at this point. Like this is the this is the greatest masterpiece in professional wrestling ever. Like people were still in the Brett here. Um and then um it goes back and forth. Austin's knees fucked up. Um Brett grabs a bell and a chair. He doesn't know which one he's gonna use, and then he goes to um put the um chair on Austin's knee. Austin gets up, ends up hitting Brett. Austin goes for Boston Crab. No dice. That doesn't work. And uh, by the way... Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, by the way, just because you mentioned it, Bret Hart on the top rope going to Pillman Austin's leg Austin grabbing the chair and then cracking Brett with it 
is one of the coolest spots in pro wrestling history. Oh, yeah. It's one of the this, coolest spots that, ever. That is when people were like, we kind of like Steve a little bit. Because this is where Brett was starting to get shitty. You know mm. what I mean? Like this, I don't want to say this. This was the fucking Chicago was the perfect goddamn crowd to do this in front of. Yep. Like, if you would have done this in Boise, nobody would have a fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> if you did not do this shit in New York or Chicago, nobody would have any fucking idea what's happening. You needed smart fans to be watching it, fans that were watching everything, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm not, and, and I'm not knocking any, like, I'll say this. If you would have done this in Columbus, Ohio, nobody would have had any fucking idea what was happening. But this fucking crowd understood it. And the minute Brett went to try to Pillman Austin, they were just like, fuck you. You're an asshole. You know what right. I mean? But so, do it anyway. We want to see it. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, they stopped that. Austin went for uh, the Boston Crab. Brett kicked out of it, which sent Austin outside. And then Brett ended up slamming into the guardrail. Austin does the most important thing they do in this match. He he gigs. So now Austin's busted open. Brett attacks Austin's knee brace. And then um, Brett attempts to put the sharpshooter on Austin. And Austin's like, nope, that ain't going to work. And kicks him off. And then Austin fires back. And slams Brett chest first into the buckle, which Brett does that better than anybody else in professional. Nobody takes a sternum first corner bump better than Brett Hart. Nobody. So he does that. And then Austin um, Brett takes that bump Austin grabs him, slams him down in the corner, starts doing the mud stomp. Um, then Austin grabs a cord from ringside. He's going to choke Brett with it. And this is cool because the bell that Brett was going to use, it was like the bell or the chair. I'm going to use the chair. The bell is still on ringside, which was a good fucking, like it was a nice touch. Brett sees that as he's getting choked, choked, hits Austin with the bell. Austin falls back. Brett rolls into the ring, gets him in the sharpshooter. Austin will not submit. Shamrock keeps saying, Austin, do you submit? Steve, talk to me. Steve, if you don't answer me, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it Steve. I'm gonna give you a uh, 10 counter or whatever to answer me, answer me, answer me, Steve, answer me, Steve. Like he's talking to him. Steve doesn't answer. So Shamrock calls it referee stoppage with the blood and all that shit trickling well, down. That iconic, that iconic picture, yep. It is fucking phenomenal. And I, so these are the two questions I have. All right. Two questions I have. Okay. 
and either one of you can answer them or you can both answer them, whatever. Which match is better, this one or their Survivor Series match? Because they're both great, but which one's better? I like this one better. Me too. Um, I'd say this one gets the edge. The Survivor Series match was a better tactical match. But this match was was a much hotter match. Okay. Right. Now, the second question I have is not significant to wrestling, but significant to Steve Austin. Which is the bigger Austin moment? WrestleMania 13 or King of the Ring? This one? Yeah, I go with this one. The King of the Ring was an introduction. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. This was this was I'm we're making the man here. And another thing I want to say really quick is this is also a testament to Steve's ability and his talent. Because in one match, this man is the biggest son of a bitch you've ever seen in your life. Right. But he's also sympathetic. How do you find that balance that you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's also fantastic for Brett because he's been the happy go lucky guy the entire yeah. time. And now he's the biggest shit bird on the yard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is, this is, and I'll say this and then we'll move on to the, because there's two more matches we got to talk about. This is my third favorite heel turn of all time. And it's only behind um, Hogan, which I, I, I know it, it got convoluted and broken up and whatever. Hogan's the greatest heel turn of all time. That's fucking bash of the beach. Hogan turn heel. You you don't beat it. You know what I mean? Well, then, you know, you know me, I disagree. I think the Brett, Brett heel turn is better, but anyway, I get it. I get what you're saying though. But for me personally, Hogan sold goddamn vitamins. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and that cartoons and shit like that was like, what? He's bad now. But anyway, um, I'd put this as third behind Hogan and Savage. But well, here's 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 what I'm gonna say here. Why I guess I agree with Nate on this. Hogan's heel turn was planned. They knew Hogan was going to the ring that night and joining the NWO, and they did, they knew the fans were gonna boo. Because Mr. Take Your Vitamins and Say Your Prayers just told everybody to stick it. They didn't know what was going to happen in the Bret and Austin match. They didn't expect Bret to turn heel and Austin to turn face. They thought the fans were still going to be cheering Bret through all of this. It was the fans that dictated the heel turn here and the the double turn, in my opinion. So that's why the Bret and Austin match is a little more iconic than the Hogan match for heel turn, for face turn. I didn't dig it. I knew that you could. So, all right. The next match we got is um, something that we can run through quick. It is the Nation of Domination, Farouk, Crush, and Savio Vega versus Ahmed Johnson, the LOD, in a street fight. 
Um, and your MVP, ladies and gentlemen, in this match is not even in the match because it's D'Lo Brown. <laughs> yep. Got put through a table worse than anybody yeah, else has ever been through. I somewhat agree with that. There's two guys that watching this match the other day, I was like, eh, I think they're kind of underrated in this match. Um, one thing I do miss in wrestling is a dirty mat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, like, yeah. like Austin and Brett had their match, and Austin's blood and Brett's blood were still all over the mat. Thanks, mm-hmm. Biden. Now in wrestling, <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> what do you say? Thanks, I Biden. Said, Thanks, Biden. Yeah. You know what? You know, I don't want to. I want to. I just my newest thing. My newest thing I do because no matter who's president, right? People blame everything on the president, even though half of it or ninety percent of it is even his fault, like gas prices and shit. We've seen gas at four dollars again. But anyway, yeah, normal. But no, my my new thing is whenever something like that happens, like at work, if we have to like mark up macaroni and cheese Mm -hmm. or whatever because of costs or whatever. My new thing is thanks, Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> I just I just shit on Calvin Coolidge all the time. Like thanks a lot, Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> I picked the most obscure president and just roll with him. Anyway, <laughs> they're, they're out of tickle me Elmo dolls. Thanks, Bill yeah. Clinton. Thanks, Calvin Coolidge. Was thanks, Rutherford B. Going? Hayes. Yeah, what was the one that was in there for like four months? Well, we had a president that was in there for like 30 days, William Henry Harrison. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, William Henry Harrison. Well, see the stupid ass that didn't put on a coat? Yes. Yeah, he died of pneumonia. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to put on a coat. They're like, it's it's 27 below. And it's 18. It's 1802. <laughs> we barely have shoes. We barely have shoes, and we think beaches is what's saving us. Nate, all the schizophrenic weather we've been having. Thanks, Henry Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, William Henry Harrison, for the bad weather. It's like your your teeth are black stubs, <laughs> and you have to put on a wig hat. You look like an 85-year-old woman already. And you're just gonna get out. Cold, man. You look like a fat, dumpy, eighty-five-year-old woman right now, and you're gonna go out in minus twenty-seven below weather with no jacket because you don't want to seem weak. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Thanks, Howard Taft. You fat fuck. Yeah. yeah, he got he he got stuck in a tub and died. I think. <laughs> <laughs> or he choked on a ham sandwich like Mama Cass. I don't know. I think I think Taff got stuck in a tub. All right. But, I'd like the, I'd back, like the viewers. Back, back to like, wrestling. Hold on. I'd like the viewers of the year that was dot, 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 to understand how uninterested we are in Nation of Domination with Jello <laughs> and Ahmed Johnson. That we took a five-minute break <laughs> to talk about presidents we want to blame about shit that wasn't their fault. <laughs> WWF, you booked a crap match. <laughs> it wasn't a complete crap match, but it was a Chicago Andre, street Andre, Ahmed Johnson had to murder D'Lo Brown to get the fans to pop. 
So Amal, <laughs> Amal and Farouk, <laughs> right? Uh, they um they fuck up a table spot. Animal tries to fucking pile drive Farouk through like a very small table. Like they had the French commentators on like a TV tray. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and Animal, who's like three hundred pounds, is trying to pile drive Farouk Ron Simmons, who's two hundred and eighty pounds, through a goddamn TV tray. And it doesn't work out. Nope. So they just kind of stumble through it. Then Farouk ends up getting hit by a fire extinguisher by Ahmed Johnson. And when I say hit, I mean they um, shot off. They shot off this gimmick fire extinguisher. I don't know if you guys know how fire extinguishers work. It doesn't just like you know big this big plume of smoke or whatever. It, it, it whatever, but anyway, they do this, and it's basically like they shoot sawdust out or whatever. And there's like a small, like I was watching, there's a small group of fans who are like, fuck this. Like, there's a small group of fans that just get smacked right in the they, like, they paid like 200 bucks to sit in the fucking front of WrestleMania and just get shot in the face with whatever the fuck this shit is, and they're pissed. And Jim Ross sells it great, because he coughs like he's got emphysema. He's like... (laughs) And he actually says, if you have asthma, this is not the place to be right now. (laughs) Which is funny. Um, Johnson ends up slamming Farouk through a table, but doesn't clear it. So... Ahmed Johnson, Tony Norris takes Ron Simmons and just slams him through a fucking table. Um, it's fucking insane. And Nate, you were saying that D'Lo Brown took um, the, he was like the MVP or whatever. You know what I think the MVPs of this match are? The table? JCICFED. Oh, yeah. Are doing a fantastic job the entire time through this match. Like anytime Hawk, Animal, or Ahmed Johnson wind up close to them, they fucking won't. Like they bolt the entire. Like they'll be mean mugging the fans, and if they even get like a side eye, a Hawk, they fucking bolt. Like the entire time, and then by the end of the match, which I'm not gonna. Sure, like whatever in the match, LOD and and um, Johnson end up winning the match because they hit Crush with the two by four, and Hawk pins him one two three. LOD, what a rush! Johnson ends up hitting the Pro River Plunge on um, D'Lo Brown, but then JC Ice and Wolfie D are stuck in there, and they end up getting like a double Doomsday device from Hawk, and they're like. Selling it like it was a cool spot. I will say that was a cool spot. They sell it like fucking fish on a deck. Mm -hmm. It's great. I think they were the MVPs of this match, in my opinion. That's how that match ends. Do you guys have anything else on that? Nope. We'll roll into the main Um, event. Oh, sorry. No, I'm good. Go ahead. Um, 
Shawn Michaels, who fucked this entire event up, he's getting <laughs> celebrated. Um, he comes out looking and looking very um, night late nineties. Did you guys say ninety seven is late nineties? I would say ninety seven is late nineties. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Comes out looking very late nineties in this outfit. He's wearing a leather blazer with a t-shirt, black pants, and some black dress shoes. Yes. That's what he's he look, he, he looks like a man who's never found the clitoris in his entire life. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them. I said he looks like. He's dressed like a man who's never found a clitoris in his entire now, life. To me, he looked like he was about to star in the new Corey Hayne, Corey Feldman movie. <laughs> I guess to me, I guess I went I went raunchy and Archie went, went traditional with his comedy. Well, you, I, yes. Yeah, we had to, to we me, have to be an he looked like age. to me he looked like a guy that if he steps on a on a patch of ice, he's fucked. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's going down and his knee injury is gonna be real now. You don't wear loafers right. in Chicago and merch. Yeah. But anyway. He comes out, and the reason I said, oh, let's celebrate the guy that fucked up WrestleMania, he's not even in the main event. He's just a commentator. His music plays twice. Yeah, that's how long they let to go. And I'm sure that Vince McMahon uttered these words together. <clears throat> let me get my Vince ready. <clears throat> Shawn Michaels, all right. Because that was one of Vince's yeah. favorite things yep. to say in 1997 with Shawn Michaels. All right. Anyway. Like, they, they made Shawn do these things. Like He was a commentator in this match. He was the guest referee for Undertaker versus Brad. You know, you don't want to work with Brad or any of these guys to put them over. But you still want the spotlight so you can be on TV and go, Hi, I'm still here. Remember me? Yes. I didn't leave yet. I'm still here. You know, like. Dude, if you're going to take a break, take a break. You know, you don't got to be on TV. We won't forget you. You're fine. Your spot is safe. So. So the guest commentator gets a two. um, Gets his entrance. Gets to make an entrance and have his theme song play twice. And then he gets sparklers. And then he goes to sit down. And now we're going to interview the champ. And Todd Pettengill interviews Sid, who says, WrestleMania, this is what he says, WrestleMania is the the biggest event of the world. Except for softball next week. And Todd's just kind of looking at him. And he's like, what are you going to do? And Sid's like, I'm not afraid of the dark. I want to beat The Undertaker. And Todd's like, back to you guys. (laughs) Like Todd had no fucking idea what to do with that. It sounds like something a seven year old would say. Right. I'm not afraid of the dark. No. You know that, you know that WrestleMania is the biggest event of the world. You remember that? And like I said, kid? I miss my mom. Are you okay? Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Were you trying to cry? Do you expect Sid to do that? I'm not afraid of the dark much. <laughs> The funniest, seriously, the funniest part wasn't even said saying WrestleMania is the biggest event in the world. It was Todd just looking up at him. 
Like, <laughs> like, I don't know what you're doing. Where are you going? Right. <laughs> and he's like, what are you going to do? Enough. <laughs> so anyway, that, trip, happened. <laughs> that happened and then the undertaker comes out and then psycho sid comes out and sid is our defending wwf champion and they're and getting ready to have oh sorry the undertaker went back to his old color scheme he's now black and gray just for wrestlemania yes. And they even brought that up. They brought up the fact that Jim Ross brought up that the, this is Undertaker coming to WrestleMania 13. The first time he appeared at WrestleMania, he beat Jimmy Snuka. Jimmy Snuka right. wearing similar attire. He didn't say the same outfit. He said similar <coughs> attire. Taker's back into his black and gray. Um. The bell rings, and then Bret Hart comes out. He interrupts the match. He cuts a promo. He's bitching about everything. Um, he says that uh, HBK is a pussyfoot liar, and he tells Taker that when you slam that door in my head, you slam the door in our friendship. And he looks at Sid, and he's like, Sid, you know, I had you in that cage match, and if it wasn't for Taker, I would have beat you, so you're a fraud. And then Sid punches Bret Hart and then gives him a power bomb and says get out of here you whiny ass hop along cry baby and as he's yelling <laughs> he's like get out I of knew, here with your I knew, I knew it was coming every time it happens I laugh hop along cry baby is one of my favorite <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines in wrestling history and it's not even, it's not just yours. Guess who else is this? Shawn Michaels. Because when he's like, get out of here with your whiny ass, Shawn's listening and he's like, hop along, cry baby. <laughs> and Shawn's like, ha, ha. like it wasn't like it wasn't like a fake like Vince McMahon, Bruce Richard horse laugh. Like when he said, Hop along, cry baby, Steve Shawn Michaels is like <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Steve, Sean loved it, and then um, Brett ends up leaving. And I'm not going to hate on either one of these guys because I love the Undertaker, and I think Sid is um, somewhat underrated in a lot of the like, like Nate and I talked about before. Sid's great when he's in there with somebody good. But this is a basic big man match. They go back and forth. Um, it's ugly. It's ugly. And and that that was a question I was going to ask. And 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 I want to say like Aaron did before I start this question. I love the Undertaker. Shit, who doesn't? The guy's one of the greatest of all time. I dig Sid, and I love this WrestleMania. But. <laughs> I'll pose a question here. Worst WrestleMania main event of all time. Is it this match or Hogan and Bundy? Because it's Hogan one of those two. It's one of those two. And I and I'm not I'm not trying I'm not trying to shit on these guys, but no, WrestleMania no, no. WrestleMania main events, it's either this match or Hogan and Bundy. In my opinion, the reason that it's Hogan and Bundy for worst WrestleMania match is because Hogan was so big at that time, they thought they could put him in the ring with anybody. 
and it was going to be absolute gold for them and it was going to be a you know continuing to move forward with you know we were no one wanted to see hogan and bundy at wrestlemania though they wanted to see either hogan versus mr wonderful or hogan versus andre or hogan versus savage with undertaker and sid everything that came along that year with brad sean austin you know the the royal rumble fiasco this wasn't the worst thing they could have fell on yeah. you know what i mean I, just so. just from mat from match quality wrestlemania main event wise it's a toss-up between those two matches for me. Well, that's a lot of The Undertaker, that's why they didn't start talking about the streak until we got higher up. Because if you look at The Undertaker's streak, Mark Henry, Sid Vicious, you know what I mean? Yeah. The Giant Gonzalez, Bundy, mm-hmm. Mr. Hughes. What were those all? Five, six, and seven-minute matches? What did he get? Ten out of Sid? Right. You know what I mean? So it's not the greatest decorated legacy ever, but it's him going twenty something and oh, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it's Aaron, I, hija- I hijacked your show. That's fine, and I needed to answer. I would say it was um, if I had to pick out of one of those, I'd say the worst would be Hogan Bundy. Okay. And the only reason I say that is because because um, I like Hogan Bundy. I don't want to get too into it, but but the reason I would pick this one over that is because I wanted the Undertaker to win the fucking belt, and but, he did, yeah, and, and he did. And um, I know we were talking about like when Mick won it. They talked about it being kind of like a lifetime achievement award or whatever. I don't look at Taker winning this as like a lifetime achievement award. No. I look at it as everybody in that building was like, this guy should be the fucking champ. Right. right. You know and that's what happens. Um what happens to match is the belt all of so quick afterwards after Mania. You know yeah. but, but uh what they did back then what, happened, what happens in this match is a super basic match. Like I said, it's two big dudes, so what do you expect? <clears throat> they do do an impressive thing where um, Taker tries to get Sid into the tombstone. Sid reverses it and gets Taker to his own tombstone, which that's fucking impressive. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. this guy right. was 5'9", one of them's 5'9", one of them's 6'9", one of them's 6'11", and they did that. It's fucking impressive. So Sid ends up hitting Taker with the tombstone, tries to get the one, two, three. It doesn't happen. And then Brett comes back out and hits um, um, Sid with a chair and Sid backs into Taker. Taker ends up getting the um, tombstone and pins him one, two, three. And the Undertaker is the new champ. And that's how we end WrestleMania 13. And it's the dark days has been stretched to coin it. The dark days have begun. The ending was was actually really cool. The lights being out, him bowing down in the ring and hoisting hoisting up the title. You know, the fact that he was in his old gear again. The crowd lighting up their lighters and everything to pay homage to him. You know, it was finally a time where The Undertaker won the world title. Mm -hmm. Because... 
We all know the BS that happened with Survivor Series and Tuesday night in Texas and all that. That really wasn't a world title run. That was a, hey, we were going to put the title on you, but Hogan decided again he wanted to play some politics. So, you know, he was like, okay, no problem. Right. He finally got it. So many years later, he finally got his moment. Yeah, so we will get into, as Aaron's show rolls on here, we will get into a lot of the, the machinations and stuff as the shows go on over time. But his his title reign here, probably mostly because of, of shit that goes on behind the scenes and political maneuvering and stuff, it, gets it almost muddied. becomes... Yes, very much so. It becomes muddied. It becomes kind of the title, the champion almost gets put on the back burner. Can I, can I call her a spade a spade here real quick? And I hate to say this, and I don't, I'm not trying to sound mean. I don't mean for If it comes out wrong, I apologize already. Having Farouk challenge for the title, no big deal. Former world heavyweight champion, Ron Simmons, right? But they right. immediately had to turn it into the race card. He immediately mm-hmm. asked me, well, I, I'm, there's never been a black heavyweight champion in this company. Yes. And, I'm, and I'm, it, I have to fight for my title shot. And, I, and then even Ahmed Johnson got into it, too. Yeah, you've never had a, you know, why couldn't it just be Farouk getting a title shot? Exactly. No one would have barked at it. No one would have said anything about it. You know, he could have had feuds if he was able to give him that title run for a year. With Mankind again, with Vader, because he would have worked with Vader with no problem. He could have feuded with Owen and Bulldog. Could have feuded with Yoko one more time if they wanted him to. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a year's worth of planning right there. But we had two uh, crybabies who were bitching about being in the spotlight. Exactly. So, um, to kind of put a bow on it, um, this is one of my favorite, like I said, this is one of my favorite WrestleManias of all time. It's my top five <laughs> WrestleMania. Ever. There's nothing really bad on the show, but if I had to vote and go best match, it would be Austin and Brett, obviously. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. And then I'd say, and it took a lot for me to say it, but I think the worst match on the show was Bulldog and Owen versus Vader and Mankind. I agree I on the I agree on the best match. Uh, worst match, I'd say Rocky and Sultan. Okay. I I agree on the best match. I'd say the six-man tag with LOD and Ahmed was kind of bad. It ended anyway in a weird way, and it just, you know, that was a Monday Night Raw main event if I ever saw one that they pushed to WrestleMania. All right. So, um, next week or three weeks from now, whenever the fuck I get around <laughs> Um, the next thing we're going to discuss will be the Monday Raw, or the Raw is War and the Monday Nitro from March 3rd, or March 24th, 1997. So I'm looking forward to that and talking to you guys about it. So um, unless you guys have any other things we need to discuss, discuss about WrestleMania 13, we'll put a pin in it, let you guys go to bed, let me eat a pizza. And I, th- I think I think I uh, I uh, blew around all the- about this wrestle or this fucking nitro from the twenty fourth of March nineteen ninety seven. Drunk notes, but it was fun. 
<laughs> so nope, I think I think I blew all the wind I needed to blow this week. Me too. Me too. All right, I don't blow anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>